Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Borussia Dortmund Fan Club London podcast, bringing you all things Dortmund with a panel of expert and experts and fans. Uh, permanent fixtures on this podcast will be myself, Jay Graham. I'm co-host and producer of the Meridian Sports Show and also founder and editor of the Eagles Beak Crystal Palace fan site. Um, and also a permanent fixture of the uh, podcast will be uh, BBB Fan Club London President Ben McFadden and also my lovely co-host Mr Tom Gilchrist. Thank you Jay, thank you for the lovely uh, description. Yes my name is Tom Gilchrist and we're very excited to be starting with the first episode of the Borussia Dortmund Fan Club London podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking through all things Borussia Dortmund covering a wide range of subjects with a panel of experts and uh, fans giving you all the best insights and opinions to keep you entertained as we as we all experience this this extended break from football. Uh, we're very excited with our panel today. Uh, we have joining us on the show. We have Adam Shergold from the Daily Mail. Adam, hello. Hello. Pleasure to be with you guys. Great to have you here. Thank you. And also we have Mark Shepherd from Sportsline. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, um, first of all, I'll, I'll pass you over to Ben McFadden, who's the editor of the Jersey Football Magazine and the president of the Borussia Dortmund Fan Club London. Ben, tell us about uh, the BVB Fan Club. OK, good evening, guys. Good to speak with you. Thank you very much, uh, Tom and Jay, for hosting the podcast, our first ever podcast. And thank you so much to Mark and also um, Adam from the Daily Mail. Uh, we're in August company here, so looking forward to a great show. Uh, lots of banter, lots of football stuff, and hopefully lots of BVB as well. Um, so as Jay will know, um, we've been blessed with representing Borussia Dortmund in the London, uh, in the UK capital London for the last seven years. Uh, we've got 300 members of the fan club and um, we regularly <clears throat> organise meetups and uh, attend most of the home games. At least two or three fans attend most home games and have done for the last uh, few years. Uh, we also have our fan club football team that takes part in various football tournaments and so on. But um, And we run the Facebook page, which hopefully at the end I'll be able to give you the <clears throat> the address for. But um, yeah, we, uh, we've never had a podcast. And, um, you know, as you said, uh, Tom, this is a really good time to have a podcast is to be able to bring together people like uh, like yourselves, who are UK football fans, but um, BVB enthusiasts. So thank you so much for uh, working together to make it happen. Absolutely. You're welcome. Yeah, we're very much looking forward to it. I'm sure there's a lot of Dortmund fans listening at the moment who are desperate to have any sort of interaction with, with the club that they so miss. And uh, and we're, we're, we're going to be covering a range of topics. We'll be uh, obviously having a look at the current situation with the coronavirus outbreak and uh, and the of the inevitable cancelling of sporting events. We'll be, we'll be looking at the, the, the near future of football and the effect, of course, that it will have on Borussia Dortmund. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, Borussia Dortmund generally, our enthusiasm, why it's such a popular club uh, from around the world, uh, comparing it to clubs in the Premier League as well. We'll be having a look at the season so far that Borussia Dortmund have had, whether or not that continues, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But uh, we'll be talking about the season that we've had so far and we'll also be looking at uh, Jaden Sancho and what future he has at Borussia Dortmund as well. Uh, so uh, let's get to it then. Um, so with the current climate, we're all sat. We're all sat here remotely. If it's not abundantly obvious at the moment, we're all we're all uh, 
we're all on Skype uh, as is the as is the norm at the moment. Um, which um, you know, thank goodness for the for for this this technology. Otherwise, I I know I would be going absolutely stir crazy, especially with no football. So it was great to actually have some sort of human interaction. But but yeah, let's uh, let's get to it then. I mean, so so Jay, I mean you um yeah, I mean how are you coping? How are you coping with no football? It's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. It's not just football, though. I'm, I'm a sports fan, so um, I know I know this is a football podcast. But a lot of the times, when when things happen in sport, you you can you can flick over to another sport, but that's just not the case. It's unprecedented times, and it's it's really difficult for a lot of people. You know, away from sport, it, it kind of makes you think that you know sport is a game i know that's uh you know that's kind of one of those comments that people frown at but you know there's a lot of things going on at the moment and, and it's really difficult for a lot of people um personally it's uh, it's changed the outlook a, a fair bit from a from a working perspective but also from a sporting perspective it's just unprecedented isn't it it's affected every sport out there every everything that you look forward to in a in a from a social capacity it's it's just hit everything and it's just it's just crazy. It's hard to contemplate sometimes. I think um, it's hard to put into words and uh, and kind of actually realise what effect it's it's really having on 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 everything. It's it's really tough. Yeah, definitely. Um, Adam, uh, you are obviously journalist at the Daily Mail. How has this uh, this this current situation and climate affected you and 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 what you do for uh, on a daily basis? Yeah, I describe it as extraordinary, unprecedented times, isn't it? It's we don't have any live sport to cover. You know, it's the first time this has ever happened. You know, it's sort of in the, since the internet was invented. Um, mm. it, it, even during the wars, there was still sport on in some kind. You know, yeah. leagues continued yeah. in a fashion, but now we we have absolutely nothing. And and to be honest, you know, so far we've done pretty well. In filling our website with with stuff there's still stories going on mainly about debate and discussion over how to properly conclude the seasons uh mostly today over finally you know footballers giving a bit back giving a bit to the nhs um giving up wages so you know they're all stories in their own rights it's no substitute for live sport that's absolutely certain but we're filling the void as best we can it takes a bit of imagination sometimes especially when it comes to features I know people don't want sort of nostalgia all the time or flashbacks or throwbacks. Maybe they do. I don't know. There'll be a lot of it to come, I'm sure. But we're managing so far. I took the attitude at the start just to treat it as kind of what it's like in a, a pre-season. Uh, you know, in a, uh, before the football season starts, you have those sort of vacant weekends, don't you? But even then, you've got cricket or you've got tennis or Formula One or something going on. So it, it really is weird. I don't know how long I can keep up that kind of charade, really. Um, but, you know, obviously we miss it. We all we all miss it and just hope that we're back to normality soon. Yeah, absolutely. And and also, uh, I just have to say, I don't think I've ever used the word unprecedented so much in my life. Uh, no, that, right. that word is, yeah. is going to have a complete new meaning when this is all over. Um, Mark Shepard from Sportsline um, joining us in this show. I mean, I'm sure you can join us in, in, in missing the sport as, as, as much as we are. But what, what do you think in, in terms of the future? I mean, at, at the time of recording, I mean, um, in, the, in the wider sporting world, Wimbledon has just been cancelled. Um, which is which is just you know kind of a, another reminder of the magnitude of this situation. But but going back to a sporting uh, sense and the season and and also uh, for Borussia Dortmund and the Bundesliga, how do you see this playing out? Do you think that we will see seasons 
played out somehow, whether it's behind closed doors or not, or, or, or will we be seeing potentially seasons being kind of expunged or cancelled? Sure. Um, well, that's the big question, isn't it? Obviously, we've seen in Belgium already that um, there was only one game left in the season anyway, so I think it was fairly cut and dried, in, certainly in terms of the champions, without doubt. Um, but going forward, it's so difficult to say at the moment. It really just depends on how much longer we as a society end up in a in a lockdown situation, for starters. Um, when's a realistic time for everybody to go back safely? Um, in uh, Sportsline uh, UK, what we do is we cover sporting events, not just football events, but all sorts of events. So things like you've just described, such as Wimbledon being cancelled, Queen's being cancelled, um, even things like the Chelsea Flower Show and so on. It just yeah. has a huge effect on us as a business. Um, that one hurt most, I have to yeah, say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so suddenly now I've, I've gone from being somebody who's extremely busy all the time. And now I'm sort of twiddling my thumbs a little bit because all of our customers are in the same position. Um, and where do we go from here? Obviously, I think we're all in the hope that maybe sort of something like the 1st of June, I think that's the, the sort of date that I've got in my head that a couple of months down the road, we may be in a position that through the lockdown and through people's good behavior and abiding by the rules that have been set, that we actually end up in a situation where we've gone through the plateau scenario and actually the numbers drop off and, and we feel as though um, as a nation and, and as a and as a world that we're in a position that we can actually go back and, and carry on somewhat of a normal life. I do think it's going to resume in a very much a staggered type of process, though. I, I think it's going to be very uh, bit by bit. And so it's going to take quite some time to go back. Mm. Then relating that to football, um, you know, do you then resume games behind closed doors? Um, personally, I'm not really for that because to me, the game of football that we all love is all about the fans. Yeah, and I think I think yeah. we saw a couple of games behind closed doors before, of which one was a Borussia Dortmund game away to Paris. And it just isn't the same without supporters being in attendance. Um, it has a very sort of cold feeling and, um, you know, some something that you may laugh at me a little bit later on being an Arsenal fan and say, well, it's fairly cold at the Emirates Stadium <laughs> anyway, isn't it? Also, we've got but another so. one of those, Tom, Tom is not going to be hiding in any closet soon. Yeah. yeah. The, two, the, the, the two teams I follow, um, I'm, yes, I'm one of those guys that has two teams, is uh, Arsenal Football Club and uh, Crawley Town, two of the, arguably the, the, the quietest grounds uh, <laughs> in the country. Um, don't, you know, you get I, some, yeah. don't you get some noise from flights from, from Gatwick, though? Exactly, yeah. So, you know, so you know, we've, we've, we've got to have a quieter on noise pollution, can't be making too much noise. But um, Ben, obviously, we, we you know, from, let's bring this into a, in, from a Borussia Dortmund perspective. I mean, we, we've talked about the potential of of playing behind closed doors and and if any club in the world is going to be affected by that of course it's it's Borussia Dortmund with the famous yellow wall and the the, the atmosphere that that appeals to fans across the world you know um Ben what's what's your opinion on this and and also with the with with the league as well I mean uh, looking at the table and you know I, I kind of look at the 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 league table with this nostalgic glint in my eye it seems so long ago that we were looking at football tables but but Borussia Dortmund were in a good position as well and it would seem a shame to not have the chance to chase down Bayern in the uh, with the remainder of the season yeah I was just picking up there on what Mark said in fact the Belgian league like the Scottish league has a and the Swiss league has a, a playoff round where the top six teams play off uh a sort of knockout round to establish the champions and all of that who qualifies for Europe. 
So, in fact, um, despite the fact that Bruges has a 15-point lead and they only had one game to play, um, in essence, they are kind of just folding. Um, and uh, in my in my mind, there's certainly I don't I don't think Germany will be one of them um, because we've still got uh, seven games, if I'm not mistaken, left. Uh, and I think there's just too much at stake, as you say, with Bayern being only three points ahead, Bayern and uh, and, um, and and RB Leipzig and, uh, and and Borussia Dortmund being only three points behind. So I, I can't really see the German league, also because of the mentality they have in Germany of, of kind of, you know, I think we all know anyone who drives a German car knows they just, they like to get it right, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> so I, I suspect the Germans will probably, I mean, the Bundesliga will wait till whatever it takes, June, July, August, whatever it takes to finish the season and will then somehow compromise on season 2021. Um, they'll find some way of making it work. Um, when is this going to end? I don't know. But I mean, um, I, I've seen some amazing acts of solidarity and, and, and respect, which I wrote an article about uh, for the Yellow Wall Um uh, just basically, Dortmund have really been pulling out the strings today. They've opened their ground to uh, to, to medical staff to, for COVID-19 patients to be treated. They've set up a couple of solidarity funds for local bars and restaurants, which we as a fan club have contributed to. Um, and uh, as everybody, uh, you know, as many other clubs have done, um, Marco Royce, the captain, set up a half a million pound, uh, half a million euro um solidarity fund for small businesses in the area um, and that's not unusual Lewandowski gave a million pounds uh, a million euros um, but um, you know at the end of the day it's kind of like I think every every little bit counts and it, it what, what I wrote in my article really was just to say that the spirit of BVB is is so much more than just the yellow wall and flags and songs and so on it really is a live um, a, a real live experience, which I think some of you, if not all of you, have experienced, is that sort of sense of belonging and unity. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's no, uh, no surprise that Dortmund's biggest fan club is called the Unity. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, Adam, you, you, you touched, you touched on that as well with, with, with some of the stories that we're having in England. And it's kind of that reminder that. Yeah, there's. It, 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 whilst we've sat here uh, and 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 kind of moaned about how, we, how much we missed the missed the sport, but really it's a reminder of the of the good nature that's that, that's in the sport, uh, both both uh, from, from the professionals, from fans, and everything, and how it's brought us all together. So hey, let's look at the let's look at the positives. Um, let's go straight to the second topic then, and um, I'm going to go straight to uh, to Mark on this one um, in terms of you know Borussia Dortmund have such a following around the world and they're they're almost a cult club when it comes to football fans around the world you know we all have our own football teams that we follow however a lot of us kind of favor the Borussia Dortmund way and 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 the way that the fans are um why why Borussia Dortmund Mark? why why how do they how do they attract such a following from fans that already have football clubs to, the, to themselves what what is it about the club do you think that attracts people um, I think it's a few things, actually, and some that we've touched on already. Um, for me, it started with Arsenal played in the Champions League against Borussia Dortmund on um, several occasions. Mm. And I think even though the away atmosphere, and certainly from some of the European clubs, has been very, very good when they came uh, come to the Emirates, I think the noise that Dortmund made was, was sensational. Um, 
And I think it really made a lot of people, I know people who sat around me just sort of really stood up and thought, wow, this is incredible. Um, I think they then sort of followed that. If they didn't go out to, to Dortmund for the return um, games themselves, they actually sort of watched the game on TV and then saw what the atmosphere was like inside of the West Island Stadium. And I, th I think there's no way that anybody couldn't be impressed with that for starters. So I think it was a very noticeable difference between the atmosphere for starters at um, at the stadium there versus I think what the English Premier League is particularly today. Uh, the second thing for me, and, it, and it's something that really touched a very sore point on a, on a personal level was the ownership structure um, at Arsenal. Um, they've always had wealthy owners who have had the majority um, share ownership of the club, but smaller fans were always had a small position in the club right up until about 18 months ago, actually 12 months ago, sorry, um, when Stan Kroenke finally bought out the shares of Alicia Usmanov, which then gave him ultimate control, which meant he could then buy out the smaller shareholders. And whilst we as small shareholders and fans didn't have great sway in the running of the club, once a year, we had an AGM that gave us an opportunity to wear our thoughts and, and say, well, you know, where is the club going? What direction are we headed in? And bring up some of the important points that fans have. We now don't have that anymore. Um, and perhaps it was just a small headache for, for the guys that own the club now. But now that transparency seems to have gone. And with it, I feel that uh, in Arsenal's case, some of it's died. Now, I know there are lots of other clubs in the Premier League that, that didn't even have that. Um, they already had single ownership. Um, but I think that's changed things a lot for me. Um, and I know for a lot of other supporters that go to games with myself, they've sort of feel a little bit distant now. Mm. And so the English game to me, whilst on the pitch, you've got exceptional players. I think we probably got some of the best managers in the world, for, you know, the Guardiolas and the Klops of the world, etc., that have been attracted to the Premier League. And you can understand that because the competition, I think, is very good in terms of playing. Um, but in, when you go around the grounds, um, I think you find that the atmosphere is very much uh, quite sterile. And I think a big part of that is the fact that the English game has moved to more of a corporate type yeah. environment. And I think that's very sad. I, I think there's room for, for corporate um, hospitality, don't get me wrong, but it shouldn't be the predominant feature of, mm. of the grounds and the way that the grounds are set up. Um, I think the all-seater stadia plays a big factor as well. The fact that they're safe standing in Germany I think is a huge factor. And I know Celtic in the, in the UK have experimented with that in the, in sort of in the jungle area and in their home end. And I think that works quite well. And maybe that's something that may be introduced in the future in England. Um, but lastly is probably something that Ben really touched on. I think particularly with BVB, the community is exceptional. Mm. I think people look out for each other. Now I know a lot of that is quite historical from sort of the industrial type nature of the area, et cetera, and, and people looking out for each other and the hard times that they've been through, coupled with the fact that the club itself has obviously been on the verge of bankruptcy and, and deletion almost a couple of times. Um, I think that whole field together provides just a fabulous atmosphere in general at BVB. Um, one of the standout things for me was, I think a couple of years ago, and Ben will know better than myself, there was talk of even possibly putting up beer prices. And they then turned around and said, no, we can't do that to our fans. How can we, how can we make them pay how more? How, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. What a fantastic attitude that is. And here's yeah. me going to the Emirates, paying a fiver for a beer that doesn't taste very good. You know, it's just, exactly. it's just wrong. And that, to me, speaks volumes. So I think, yeah. to me, BVB have got it right. And I think Arsenal 
have have got it wrong. Um, and it's it's almost like a question I want to ask you all, really. If you go to a football game, do you want to go for fine dining or do you want to go and have a party? I know which yeah. one I prefer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally I, agree. I, I think you've absolutely hit it on the head, Mark. Yeah. I think I think the Bundesliga, from an English perspective, the perspective of an English football fan, reminds them of maybe a bit of what English football has lost. I think in terms of not necessarily the quality of the games and the players involved, because as you say, there's world-class players in the Premier League and plenty of them. But in terms of the, the match day experience, the fan culture, the collectivism, the activism of the fans... There are a few honourable exceptions in, in England. I think Crystal Palace are an excellent example with their Homesdale Ultras. <laughs> but examples like that of decent atmospheres, you know, a few and far between in England. And you're right, safe standing comes into that. And I, I do believe we will see more of it in this country. But I think it, it, you, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. It really does remind a lot of people you know what a bit of what english football has, has lost over the years it's become too sanitized too corporate and um you know it's very easy to take up a german team as a sort of second team you know sort of whether it's it's dortmund or or whoever this season i imagine uh, union berlin have picked up quite a lot of, t- of yeah. a set yeah. of interested yeah. followers in england as well because people you know they have access to the games they're live on bt sport or they can yep. watch it on whatever they see the atmospheres they see the color they see the passion of the of the german games universally in in the german games and in the second tier as well and you know they can relate to that and they well you know why don't we have that down at the mm. emirates or mm. you know down at uh, craven cottage or wherever to name two sanitized examples <laughs> but uh, but but everywhere throughout the country totally agree and I think there's a really good point that Mark made there which I want to bring Ben into actually I I experienced a recent trip out to uh, Dortmund my first trip and one of the things I noticed and and, and really re- really brought home with me was the togetherness of the city and the people and the whole match day experience and the local community really was really emphasized through the whole visit that I had that weekend um and I just wanted to ask Ben a little bit more around that kind of thing because obviously you know the the atmosphere at the ground is is amazing we've seen it on tv everyone's seen it on tv and that's that's the big thing that people talk about and relate to and and relate to what's missing in English football but the community spirit and the whole I, I just found the whole um, the whole experience fascinating. From the minute I arrived, everything was tailored towards the game that afternoon. You know, we went to the ground early, and we were we were there two and a half hours early, and there was a lot of people already there, which you don't get that in 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 this country. You know, you have a lot of people already in their seats, ready for the teams to come out onto the pitch. You know, I would say ninety percent of people were in that ground seated, waiting for the team to come out. Even yellow wall was pretty much full by the time the players came out to warm up even and that's not what you get in the uk yeah thanks um thanks jay i i uh i'm, I'm pleased to have you as a member with your with your son i forget your son's name dan dan, dan yeah yeah uh, of, of the fan club um and um yeah um you know it's good to hear you want to go back and enjoy another match at the Westfalen Stadion uh, which is what Signale Iduna Park as, as you guess as you'll find out or as you already know uh is 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 in fact uh, known as um and and the Westfalen Stadion celebrated their uh, 46th birthday uh it's 46th birthday uh yesterday so happy birthday to Dortmund's yeah. temple happy and birthday. football mm. <laughs> um 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of like what I feel about it. Um, I studied German uh, myself uh, at UCL, and I, I think kind of like in a way what the Germans have aimed to do is um, to create a create a post war society that's kind. Of, I don't want to go into politics, but it's kind of more. Um, calibrated if you like where everything kind of cooperates a bit more and is less sort of dog eat dog um than, than, than perhaps the um u.s british kind of way of doing things where it's basically you know um if you can get away with you know charging x amount then then you do it uh and and the market you know will, will define like how much you can you can pay but i mean ultimately um there's an interesting situation in dortmund as you kind of pointed out um mark that um essentially it's a city much like sheffield which uh has uh, a strong in the rural valley which is a strong kind of area of coal mining and steel and uh, traditionally and a manufacturing industry they've got a very massive opal car plant which is Vauxhall in germany um, near, quite near Dortmund um, and in Hattingen, if I'm not mistaken. And um, basically, um, the, the, there is kind of, in a way, there's a kind of a limit to, it, it's not even by conscious design, it's kind of there's a limit to what people in those, in, in those types of jobs traditionally would be able to afford for a ticket to go to football. Mm. And because of the changes that have happened in, in, in industrialization kind of in the last 20, 30 years, and that a lot of those industries the kind of um, have closed down, you know, the coal mines have closed down, the steel works have closed down, manufacturing plants have moved, <coughs> moved to China and so on. Sorry, I've got a frog in my throat. Um, what's happened basically is that um, <coughs> they've had to kind of keep the prices low so that... <coughs> anybody can afford to go and um you know football being what it is it kind of to me at least um it always made sense in a way that i mean you know keep it open keep it available to everyone because at the end of the day you know as you said uh, mark it's not theater it's it's not corporate entertainment as such it's it's just something which we can all relate to because so many of us have, uh, have played it as, as, as lads and, and so on and, and lasses at school and, and just really enjoyed kicking the ball around and so on. And I, I really, I really I'm, I'm quite kind of, as they say, against modern football. I feel that, as you said, um, Jay, um, that Dortmund have got it right in a way. It's, it's basically straightforward and it's uh, atmospheric and... As you say, I mean, the beer is excellent. The atmosphere is really good. <laughs> the beer is excellent, I have to say. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Um, it's some fantastic points there. Um, Adam, just going back to you quickly. Um, how does, how does uh, obviously, we're talking about Dortmund here and, and the fantastic atmosphere across the Bundesliga, but how does... How does the UK recover from that? In that, you know, we we used to have the terraces, we used to have the atmosphere at all of these grounds in the in in the first division as it used to be. Um, is there a way of you mentioned safe standing, which is something that I want to see personally brought into the Premier League, which I think will give us a big atmosphere. I know Palace were looking at it at some point, mm. um, only for the the government to veto it. I know Wolves have yeah. done. Uh, Wolves have done brought in some safe standing, but they can only use that in in, in European games, I believe. Um, 
Is that is that the only way we're going to kind of get back an atmosphere, anything like the, the what we see in Dortmund in the Bundesliga? I think you, you mentioned the terraces of old. I think we, we we want those back, but without the trouble, don't we? Without the <laughs> yeah, organism, yeah. yeah. without without that element of it. Yeah, I agree. Safe standing is is the key to that. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that the terrace. You know, should, no one should be nostalgic for the terraces as they they used to be. Um, but safe stand, standing is certainly. The way to go. I'm a big advocate of it. I think most, a lot of clubs in the Premier League are, are kind of paying lip service to it now. I know Manchester yeah. United have promised to to look into it as well. You know, very. Uh, it will take several years, I think, before we um, get to the stage where you know certainly top-flight grounds um, have have safe standing installed. But I think we are moving in the right direction finally, slowly. And you know, they need to encourage. It's all well and good having it. But you need to encourage people then who will generate an atmosphere to go along and fill those areas every week. And you can easily do that by reducing ticket prices or by having, say, drink deals on beer. I know you can't drink in view of the pitch in England, unlike Germany. But, you know, having sort of just incentive, you need to incentivize people to, to go and sort of build that atmosphere. It will bring in revenue as well. I think, you know, there, there must be people within the fan base of every club who do want to go and stand and sing and, and don't there like is. sitting down there and being is. told yeah. every time they jump out of their seat, a steward comes over and tells them yeah. to sit down. I mean, I go to Wembley a, a lot. I watch England home the way as a fan. And I, every, it, it's infuriating at Wembley. It is the worst example. You know, everyone's told constantly to sit down. Yeah you know, shut up and, and behave yourself, basically. <laughs> There's no chance of any creating any noise. And I dare say that's the same in a lot of Premier League grounds yeah. as well. I think we need to, to move beyond that. So within, you know, within reason and within boundaries, clubs need to be driving that and encouraging fans that will create an atmosphere. And I think the, the, the experience of going to Premier League games and Football League games will be so much better for it. Sure. Yeah. So, I, it's not a fun job being a steward in that environment either. I no. Think, you know, I, I, and I'm sure you experience it at Crystal Palace where they, you know, yeah. where they do have a good atmosphere. And I think those guys in the, in the Homesdale um, Road End will stand and stand for the whole game. But yeah. I know there are sections in the Emirates, in the North Bank and in the in the clock end as well, where there are people, sec small sections who want to sing, who want to jump up and down. And the stewards are constantly in and out. And it's a terrible job for them because they come and sit them down. The minute they walk away, everybody just stands up again. Yeah, so, um, so so why not just allow those objects. people? Yeah. yeah, allow those people to stand in a designated mm -hmm. area and let everyone else, you know, watch it with an, an unobstructed view. Yeah, exactly. And, the, the and cynical, we've all sorry, gone. Sorry, no, we've all got a perfect example of what we see in in Dortmund and across the Bundesliga. In the you know the yellow wall is amazing to watch and to see what happens there. You know the safe standing and the whole element around that. It's you know it's been proven across Europe. So you know obviously we're you know this is a Dortmund podcast, but it's it's so frustrating from a from a UK football fan to actually see that happening abroad and for it not to be taken as something that we could do here because we could quite easily do that in this country and which what which is what makes us envious i think yeah i think so i'm, I'm tom is quite quiet there tom uh, my local team is pompey um which explains the blue and white um and uh, it's not Schalke. i assure you that it's, more <laughs> <right>. <laughs> but, but it's um, not royal blue so you're okay no, that's right that's right thank <laughs> you thanks for reminding me um, Tom, um, you go to Crawley Town. In fact, you were the stadium announcer at Crawley Town, the Nobby Dickel of, uh, of, uh, of Crawley Town. 
It was hard. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering where you were going with that when you started. <laughs> <laughs> and and, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, um, I personally, I've been to the Emirates quite a bit and, and quite a few other grounds, including Anfield and so on. But I've never, I, I kind of basically, it, call me a cheapskate if you want, but I just won't spend more than £20 on a ticket to watch football because I've basically been spoiled over the years of watching Champions League level football for uh, 15 to 20 pounds to get into the ground. And um, I don't know, how is that? How does that resonate for, for, for you, Tom, for somebody who's, who's you know, followed a team which charges a very fair price um, and still has a fairly decent atmosphere and so on? Um, but I mean, you know, at the same time, I think you can see that um, if you're watching the Champions League and paying Crawley Town prices, um, it's mm. something quite impressive about that without me being overly kind of enthusiastic about my own football team no, you, no you, you raise a good point and um and obviously crawley town for for listeners who probably have never even heard of crawley town are uh in 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 league two and and as you say they probably charge um ticket prices that are similar to uh dortmund champions league games which is just it's just the, the, the way football is run as, as as we've talked to you english football has gone into a more corporate sense and and it's 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 a real problem for for for, t- for local f- football team supports like myself and and having to spend that money on you know and and seeing the kind of the the, the ripple effect of the the, the corporatization of football uh, for going further down the leagues uh, it, it, as a result you know attendances get smaller i mean crawley town are bang slap bang in the middle of Brighton and Crystal Palace. So the better those teams do, they get more fans, and we get, you know, so we have to raise our prices. But you know, we do have uh, we have standing in our ground uh, mainly because we have no seats there. Uh, <laughs> we, yeah. we can't afford any major renovations. But people do love coming. People love coming to Crawley Town because uh, you know um, I have a, I have a few friends of of of, of bigger clubs. Um, Recently, uh, well, I'm sorry, I say recently, a few years ago, we hosted Stoke in the in the FA Cup. We've had Norwich City recently. We beat Norwich City actually this yeah, season. And, yeah. and um, uh, but those fans love coming down because they get to stand and they get to you know, um, and and when goals go in, you get to get really close and personal with the uh, with the players, and you see you know the absolute limbs and the people running down the terraces just to get closer to celebrations. It's, it, it's brilliant. So. So yeah, I mean, I I can say uh, you mentioned me being stadium announcer. Um, I mean, I did try and bring a bit of Dortmund energy in my day. You know, I, I tried to tried to do the whole call and response thing. You know, say the first name of the player and everyone else has the surname. Uh-huh. Wait, wait, wait till you get out to Dortmund, Tom. Then you'll be, you'll be bringing that flair back to Crawley Town. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, if they'll have me back, then uh, then I I will try. Um, yeah. you guys signed um you guys it's an, an interesting fact you signed Denzel Boadu who was actually the first English player ever to sign for Borussia Dortmund I think he signed two days before Jaden Sancho that's a little known fact that he's now playing for Crawley Town the mighty Reds there we go the original Red Devils as well I, I, I will say uh, we are the Red Devils we are we were the Red Red Devils first before Man United stole our name um, let's let, let's um, let's move on then to we, we we've talked about what uh, what um, German football does right and and comparing it obviously with us all being in England comparing it to what we're used to in England but the problem with that is of course the the retention of, or the ability to retain players from Dortmund you know the the re, 
the resist resisting the lure of the money of the Premier League. Uh, Borussia Dortmund currently have an excellent squad of players and uh, and some really exciting talent. Obviously, we, we, we mentioned him at the top of the show, but uh, Jaden Sancho obviously is uh, on a lot of people's minds at the moment. He's been doing an absolutely amazing job and, and uh, uh, at, um, at BVB and kind of has set a new precedent really perhaps for future uh, generations of English players actually going out to Europe to develop their careers you know rather than sitting on the benches at the likes of Manchester City he's, he's actually going out and getting experience but um, Adam I wonder if if you could perhaps give us some insight in there I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of talk of Jaden Sancho going around the uh, the Daily Mail sports office and everything and where he's going to go do you <laughs> think there's any... anything else yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think there is any any chance of him staying or is um or or is this perhaps have we have we seen his last game already in a in a Dortmund shirt well maybe if the season doesn't get back underway we probably actually have yeah, yeah. um but yeah i mean from everything i've read and heard i think the prospects of a, a big money transfer this summer are pretty strong i think um it's it probably has been narrowed down now to either manchester united or chelsea i think it probably will be coming back to the Premier League, you're getting different updates on this every day, either coming out of Germany or, or from from the UK. Um, the fee will be certainly £100 million, I would say, at, at least. Um, and we, we've listed enough reasons to be envious of, of Dortmund, you know, in a sort of fan sense tonight. But if you want to add another one to the list, tremendous business acumen, because they bought him for £8 million, you know, three years ago from Manchester City. And they'll sell him for more than 10 times that. I've no, no doubt of that. Uh, if it's not this summer, it will be next year, I, I imagine. Um, as you said, he's had a wonderful season. Was it 17 goals, 19 assists? He will be a, a, a member of the England team. Uh, uh, well, a, a first name on the team sheet now, I would say, for many years to come. He is obviously an exceptional talent. He is not phased by any occasion. He's just as brilliant in the big Champions League games as a run-of-the-mill league game. He's shown time after time, you know, he, he, he has what it takes. Um, you know, I think, I think Dortmund have a, a very good business model there. Buy them at a low price. I, I imagine a parallel universe now where he stayed at Man City and he, he turned down the chance to go to Dortmund. And he, you know, he's, he's playing for their under 23 team and he's getting 10 minutes in the Carabao yeah. Cup. And, you know, he's not made his league debut yet. And you know, like, a little bit like Phil Foden, who really has only kind of made uh, his breakthrough this year. He's playing a bit more. The guy's waiting for David Silva to move. Basically, he, he's a contemporary of Sancho and his career hasn't had the same trajectory yet. It will do. He, he's also excellent. Um, but, you know, he, he's kind of waiting for someone to move out at City. I, I sort of see, well, if Sancho had stayed, he would be getting impatient now, waiting for Guardiola to give him a chance and wondering whether he was being trusted. And there'd be sort of stories about his talent going to waste, uh, you know, this great English English player. But he, he was, you know, he made a brilliant decision to go to Dortmund. It must, at the age of 17, it must have been incredibly daunting, not just, um, you know, a, a new country, a new league, different a culture, different language. Um, Dortmund are obviously excellent at, set, you know, getting people bedded in and settled in. And, you know, within months, weeks even, he was in the first team. The following season, he was, uh, you know, starting every game. And he's just gone from strength to strength. And, and what a decision that is. And, and they will 
certainly cash in sooner or later and, you know, look for the next player. Probably Jude Bellingham's been linked, hasn't he? The Birmingham City midfielder. Again, you know, buy him at a low price in five years, selling for a hundred million. You can see it happening again. It's a great template, isn't it, really? And and Erling Haaland as well, you know, similar. Well, definitely, yeah. I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get to Erling Haaland because what an incredible piece of business that was as well, especially with the clubs that he was linked with at the time. But um, but uh, I mean, Ben, it is uh, it, it must be you know quite hard to to know that the, the the position that Dortmund are in and the temptations there are to return to the Premier League, especially when you have talents like Jadon Sancho. But also on the flip side, you could look at this as a as a potential opportunity to. You know, you talked about Jude Bellingham. You know, a lot of people are going to want to follow in his footsteps. So this could be, you know, he's brought Dortmund to a younger audience, a younger mainstream audience, and and what he has contributed to the club. If he does move on, it's it's an incredible contribution. Yeah, I mean, I think um, basically a lot of people talk about the era around Jurgen Klopp. Uh, as the manager of Dortmund and sort of say, well, you know, Kloppo made it, uh, made it what it is a bit like what he's done at Liverpool in a way where he's revolutionised the club. But I think that, um, you know, if you look a bit deeper, like Adam was saying, uh, this club is uh, it's here to stay because of the way they do things. Um, it's not just the low prices. It's not just the clever transfer uh, transfer activity, business, whatever, that Michael Zork um, and Aki Vatska uh, do at the club, um, the joint man- uh, the uh, sporting director and managing director. Um, it's, you know, I mean, it, it's a certain kind of acumen and it's a way of doing things, which um, I think a lot of people in football now aspire to, which is very much an academy-led club where um, they bring people in like Christian Pulisic, um, for example, or Jaden Sancho, they bring them in. Uh, Pulisic came in when he was 14, I think, from the States. Uh, Sancho came in when he was 17. Uh, Jude Bellingham is 16, if that deal comes through. Um, and, um, you know, but, but, but going beyond, beyond the academy players, um, I mean, last season, um, Dortmund signed Julian Brandt, which who's regarded the midfield player, who's regarded as literally one of the most talented midfielders in 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 uh, in the Bundesliga, uh, a, a national team player, for around twenty million pounds. They also at the same time signed Torgan Hazard for twenty million. Um and you know it, it's just it's kind of like um you know I'm just I mean going going even one season beyond picking up Axel Witzel who had who had gone off to China and that didn't work out? Who 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 at the World Cup 2018 in Russia turned out to be one of the most talented uh, and skillful uh, players um, was was just a sort of minor stroke of genius, I think. And I think it's you know I did an interview with the Sunderland Chronicle about how Sunderland FC are trying to develop their um, having basically gone almost bankrupt and now ended up where are they now? League One, um, same yeah. as Portsmouth. Um, they're now and Netflix. Um, they're on Netflix. That's pretty good. Does that count for anything? They would. Be, yeah, I watch it actually. <laughs> I watch the show. It, it's very good. Very it's good. Very it, good. It, it, yeah. yeah, it is. It is. I mean, yeah. 
Um, get the cameras behind the scenes at Dortmund. It sounds way more interesting, though. But sorry to cut you up there. With, Not uh... at all. No, I was <laughs> saying that there are clubs now in England which are looking at, um, at developing a, an academy-based model. Um, and I think that in some ways, um, I, I'm, I'm just going to quote the head of Dortmund's academy here when he did an interview a couple of weeks ago when Dortmund played at Derby County, which I covered uh, as a reporter for a German newspaper. Um, unfortunately, they lost at Derby County 3-1. Um, but Derby County is another example of an academy-led club that have got phenomenal, phenomenally good talent coming through, as Adam will probably know. And um, basically, Lars Ricken, who, uh, who's the head of the academy, said, um, basically, we don't charge the fans um, to go out and spend lots of their money. We charge a low price and we make the players ourselves. And I think, you know, I don't know what, what you feel, Tom, or, or, you know, but I mean, in essence, that to me seems like the right way to do things. And, and that in a way is why it's been, you know, I've found it quite easy to sell the whole idea of Borussia Dortmund uh, as a fan club president for the last seven years uh, and a successful fan club as well with over 300 members and, and it keeps growing. So, yeah, it's it's they're doing football the right way. I think to uh, to coin that um, that Bundesliga slogan. I think that's the Bundesliga slogan, isn't it? The football done the right way. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, well, uh, Mark Shepard. I mean, I'm sure you you were disappointed as me to hear to not hear Arsenal in the in the rumored clubs uh, for for Jadon Sancho. Um, of course. But uh, but I, I mean, what are the chances of that anyway? But but with um. We, we, we've kind of just become used to disappointment, I suppose. But what we are, what, what Arsenal have been doing is um, producing um, players, uh, exciting young players, uh, Bayaka Saka, um, you know, Reese Nelson, and, and Joe Willock, players like this. And it's, it does feel more satisfying when when there is that that type of player doing well than a big money signing. So, but you know. Again, the 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 the, the, the Dortmund ethos or, or the German ethos maybe uh, is is something that the English game could learn from. Yeah, and it's almost harking back to to what Ben said earlier on. It's him not sort of being overly fond of modern day football. This is very much like old day football again, isn't it? Yes. You know, you, you think of um, think of Celtic in '67 and the Lisbon Lions. That every player in that squad was, uh, except one, was born within 10 miles of the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, it's in, it's an incredible um, story, and it's great. I think I think you've seen under Frank Lampard and um, and Chelsea that they've started to bring through a lot of young players. I know it's been enforced. Um, I think Arsenal have started to do the same thing. And I think English so English clubs are learning, and I think that's the one thing we can say um, behind all this. I think you know they're not stupid people in England um, running these clubs as well. Um, whilst unfortunately there might be very astute businessmen, which there's elements of that that we don't like, I think as clubs too, they're also very aware of what's going on in the world and that obviously this is a way forward. And, you know, with financial fair play, that comes into the equation as well. So if you, can, if you can build your own, then um, obviously it stands you in very good stead. Um, I mean, just on Sancho, I, he's a joy to watch. Um, he reminds me now, it, it's... This, this being sort of his second full season, I suppose, he seems to have a, a sort of a swagger and belief in his game now that it's almost like Henri-esque from my standpoint. It's like, you know, he feels as though he can go out onto the pitch, even if he's come on as a substitute. And it could be a key moment in the game. It could be one all with 15 minutes to go. And he's still got that sort of, he'll try tricks even at that point, but with a, with a purpose too. 
Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's the key thing for him now. And um, whoever gets him is going to be a very lucky club, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, so we we mentioned uh, Erin Haaland uh, earlier in the show as well, and, and and what an impact he's had on on, on in his very short time uh, um, at Borussia Dortmund. I mean, did anyone here, Ben? Did you did, could you fathom that that kind of impact um, when he when he signed? I mean, it was an exciting signing, yes, but I mean, the, the impact he's made has, has been absolutely incredible. Um, well, I mean. Um... Gosh, it is difficult. You know, I don't want to sort of. Uh, I mean, firstly, firstly, uh, we mustn't uh, overlook the Dortmund Arsenal connection. Um, Mark and Tom, Mikitarian, uh, Obama Young, uh, Socrates was one of my favourite players. Socrates Papadopoulos, uh, and uh, there's been a history uh, of Dortmund players at Arsenal. I mean, want to have another stab at that name? Are you satisfied with Obama Young or would you let him go just before I answer that question? Um, if, we, you... if we could have Haaland in exchange. <laughs> yeah. I... I... I personally adore Aubameyang. I just think he's such a fun character, such a brilliant player to watch. Um, you know, incredible, incredible talent. It's a shame that we've we've probably perhaps signed him a bit too late in his career, but um, I I just his connection that he's made with the with the likes of Lacazette, permanent smile on his face. I just I I, I love him. I for the first time um, in my adult life, I bought a replica shirt with a player player name on the back, and it was. Um, it was the the, the Bruce Banana remake shirt with uh, Aubameyang on the back, just because that's just the impact he's had on me. I kind of, you know, I feel like a child again watching, um, you know, these, you know, Thierry Henrys. You know, he just brings that fun energy to the. And I'm sure he, you know, you saw that at, when he was at, at, at Dortmund as well, just always playing with a big smile on his face. And, and I would be very sad to see him go. But hey, if it's in exchange for Sancho or Haaland, um, then. Yeah, maybe, uh, well, maybe Kenneth uh, and, and we'll think about it. <laughs> now you're getting greedy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so uh, let's let, let's look at current times then, and and be hopeful that the season will come to a clo- close, um, whatever whatever logistically that will be. I mean, where does it's, it's, it's all, we, we talked about Haaland. It's a shame that kind of you know the momentum plays a big part in football, momentum and form, and and you know with this kind of disrupted, it, we're, we're not sure what kind of player we're going to get uh, whenever the season comes back. But what are your uh, Ben? We'll start with with, with you. What what would be your hopes slash expectations for for the rest of this season and uh, compared to how it's gone so far? Thanks for coming. Yeah, I didn't get to to talk about Haaland, and obviously he's you know he's made an incredible impact. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna pluck a pluck a figure out of the air if I can remember it correctly, but I think it was nine goals in seven games, if I'm not mistaken. Adam, was that right? Yeah, in that area. Sorry, I'll I'll have a look for you. Uh, I've got my laptop here. Um, let's but, have a look. Uh, 12 in 11 in all competitions 12, 12, and 9 in 8 in the Bundesliga. So you're right, nine. yeah, Bundesliga. Thank uh, you. Yeah. So um, in essence, I mean, I think with the exception of Nico Schultz, um, all the signings this season have been absolutely excellent. Um, Torgan Hazard um, and, 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 uh, and Erling Haaland and so on. And um, um, 
it's 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 hard to say. I mean, Dortmund right now are sitting three points behind Bayern in the table. But um, on the same note, same as you guys, I mean, you know, it feels like a long time ago. The last time I saw a live game, uh, and 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 uh, you know, although it's only been what three weeks since the PSG last the last game, um, but I think. You know, the, the irony of it is that, in essence, that um, with the amount of points that Dortmund have accumulated in the last three seasons, they would have been champions in, I think, if I'm not mistaken, in about 20 of the last uh, whatever it is, seasons since since the league was started in 1963. Um, so, in essence, um, you know, Dortmund... Um, they're barely losing and they're, they're winning away and at home, but it's just not enough when you've got this red kind of menacing, uh, you know, all powerful team from Munich who literally just virtually don't lose anything all season. And I mean, I remember very well that Invincibles team of Arsenal that I think they won the double. When was that? Uh, 19... But 2004 was the Invincibles, but they have double in, well, 2002 and 98 under Arsene Wenger and 71 um, under Bertie Mee. But, um, yeah. yeah. So, so, so imagine, you know, you're, you're in a league where basically you've got an invincible team every single season that basically march through the season without only losing perhaps two games or three games. That's kind of the deal that Dortmund have to deal with. Yeah. And, you know, and then, of course, as uh, Tom said earlier, alluded to earlier, uh, and we talked about Lewandowski, and 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 then I can add Mario Götze to that, and Mats Hummels, um, that because Bayern uh, are based in a much richer region in the Munich uh, region, the Bavaria region, uh, home to big companies like BMW and so on, um, they basically get so much more sponsorship and so much more support. And um, and so basically they're they're an incredibly wealthy club and have been able to literally over the years, you know, just cherry pick every single player um, that's good in, in, in the German national team and, and, and so on. Uh, and in so in so many ways, you know, um, German fans are actually delighted about the buying power of the uh, of the Premier League. That in fact, every now and again, you come along and you buy yourself a couple of Bayern players over here. So, <laughs> so long may that go on, and long may the disparity between the Premier League and, and Dortmund continue. But I think that whenever the season restarts, um, I, I fear. Uh, that Dortmund probably have lost a few too many games in the first half of the season, in the first 17 games before Christmas, um, to actually be able to um, to actually be able to to romp back and 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 pick up their first title in uh, in eight years. Um, I fear that in 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 my just to say in one in one point, if we do it. Then it'll be by beating Bayern um, in Dortmund whenever that takes place, and also beating RB Leipzig. Those will be the two crunch games that we have to win. And to be frank with you, the game against Schalke is not going to be easy either. So I have my fears, to be frank, but I think Dortmund are on a good trajectory, to be honest. Adam, coming to you next. Um... Is there any fear that the the Bundesliga will continue will not continue this season? Do you think there there might be a decision coming up that actually they might shelve the season and uh, you know like the like the Belgians just have? Well, there's a bit of a riddle actually, isn't there? If the German Bundesliga and the Austrian Bundesliga decide to declare the whole season null and void, does Erling Haaland even exist? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good avoid somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, crazy. I, th- I think, as um, as Ben said earlier on, I think Germany will do everything to get the season finished. As you say, it's a, it's a shorter league season than most of their European contemporaries. Anyway, they were only nine games off a finish, um, and. You know, as you said, for the first, unlike the vast majority of recent seasons where where Bayern have just dominated from start to finish, we do actually have a really good title race. It'd be such a shame if it doesn't get to play out to its its conclusion. I mean, I think um, as as you rightly say, like Dortmund dropped two, they drew too many games in the first few weeks, a few months of the season. There were a lot of last minute equalizers that cost them two points. And I think, that, as you say, they, they're not losing many games, but they're, they're winning games. But Bayern, it's, it's like they were in crisis in October. They sacked their manager. And, and yet suddenly the empire has struck back, hasn't it? And it, it's, it's like just, just this winning machine that somehow got this four-point lead, which seems to have come out of nowhere. And we can't dis- discount Leipzig either, which I, I know the whole of German football probably shudders at the prospect of them win- <laughs> winning the title. Totally. But I, I think I think <laughs> one day it will it will happen, won't it? Eventually, unfortunately. But um, you know, it it would be a real shame if those nine games and those pivotal games, as you say, Dortmund versus Bayern, because with home advantage, if they won that, the gap could be only a point at the top. You know, they they could be pretty much level again. Um, they've got to go to Leipzig. They've got to play Schalke. In fact, I think this weekend was meant to be the buying game, wasn't it? So, um, so yeah. it really hits home, doesn't it, when um, when there's no football, when you're missing out on a match like that. Yeah. Um, but I would say, and you know, whenever they can complete it, late in the summer, in the autumn, who cares? Let's let's get the season finished and avoid the sort of mess and all the what ifs and ifs, buts and maybes that comes about. You know, from this incomplete league, which would be a travesty, really. It will be. Mark, coming to you, Adam's made a few great points there. And the one I wanted to pick up with you is, you know, the simple fact that Dortmund have come so close this year. Um, it will be a shame to see the the season finish uh, with a whimper, as it uh, as it will n- notably be if they declare it null and void or, or it just ends as it was. What what else do Dortmund have to do to 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 grab that title off of, of, of Bayern Munich. And, and we're not talking just this season, but do you think they're in a good place going forward? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> it's on the fence. Um, <laughs> I think this season they, they've done exceptionally well. And obviously, um, as we've all discussed already, their, their transfer policy and the way they run, their club is run has been fantastic. Um, and I think they've now developed a really great team actually mm. um, and, and a very exciting team to watch. I would say that that's something we've probably not touched on too much here, but, how many Dortmund games, have you, uh, BBB games, have you watched that have been boring this season? Mm. It's, it's fabulous yeah. entertainment. Yeah, it really I mean, is. <laughs> they really had that sort of attitude of um, of almost like a Galacticos of just saying, well, yeah, you guys score three. We'll, don't worry, we'll get four. Um, yes. and, it's, and, it, and it's wonderful football to watch. I it mean, is. really attacking players. It's, it's fantastic. I think the two fullbacks, really exciting. Mm. Really, really exciting. So um, this season... I think they've got every chance still. I, I, I think it's an intimidating game for Bayern to, to come. Um, an away fixture for them. It's very, very tough. And yes, I know BVB have got some tough games, as, as Ben had mentioned, coming up. But you know what? It only takes, I think, a, a big win like that. And suddenly the belief in the squad just goes up another notch. Um, I and, I th- and I think they can do it. 
Uh, well, it, sorry, great, yeah, it's great to hear Mark. I mean, um, I, I just wanted to come back quickly. Sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to come back to what Mark was saying about the draws. I was at the Paderborn game where we were leading 3-0 at half time. We were losing 3-0 at half time and then we came back and, and, and uh, drew 3-3. Um, and then also I remember the Hoffenheim game as well, similar. Uh, and there have been, you know, a number of games where we've been leading and where we've basically thrown it away. The season before, it was a similar thing. And I think that Emre Chan, uh, the former Liverpool player, has really made all the difference that came yeah. in from Juventus, has brought some mm. muscle to the midfield, which was very much needed. A bit like Matthias Sammer back in the day uh, when Dortmund won the Champions League in 97. I was watching that match last night, as you do, just watching some old school stuff when nothing else was on. <laughs> That's what we're all doing at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> the only point I'd like to make is just pick up on what um, Mark, uh, what Adam said earlier. Um, not only did Niko Kovac, who had won the DFB Pokal with Frankfurt, uh, a very underrated side who, who'd been, you know, been very successful in choosing some excellent players, some of which playing now in Europe's top leagues, including um, uh, at Real Madrid and so on. Um, but 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 Lam, Ribéry, and Robbery. Uh, uh, and Robin, sorry, all left this season, uh, and so basically, their almost their entire uh, strike force and 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 one of their best um, backs left the club, and so you would have expected Bayern really to be having a bad time, yeah. and then they go on they appoint Hansi Flick, a former Bayern player who uh, as assistant manager, and and somehow they've got enough depth and quality off the bench to actually be able to romp the, well, not romp, but muscle a, a lot of the Bundesliga and, and, and look as if basically they're, you know, they're more or less, they're, they're there or thereabouts. I mean, I, I just think, you know, sometimes as a Dortmund fan, even in good times when, you know, Dortmund have, have done so well, uh, you know, last season, uh, was it last season, season before selling Dembele for 130 million and so on, you know, cash has been flowing at, at Dortmund and they've been doing really well to invest it very successfully. But even when you've invested 130 million euros this season, which is, phenomenal amount of money for Borussia Dortmund. Um, you know, it's frustrating for the fans. The stadium is full every single game, uh, you know, to capacity, uh, as is known, the highest capacity in the world, 80, 82,000. What more can Dortmund do, really, apart from spend 130 million and the fans be the most vociferous? And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it's just, as I said, it's this mammoth kind of Manchester United type team of, of what was it, Man United in the 90s, you know, just unbeatable, basically, no matter what Dortmund does. So I think everyone is longing to see Bayern knocked off their perch. And, and uh, you know, um, it's great, as, as uh, Tom said, to see a season where there's a bit of diversity at the top, you know. Yeah, absolutely, um, and uh, and I think uh, not just Dortmund fans, but people around the world would just love to see you know a, ch a change at the at the top of the perch for sure. But hey, we can't finish this chat by being jealous of Bayern Munich. Let's <laughs> focus on a high. Let's let's uh, let's all go around. Like, I want to know um, what has been your highlight uh, of the season from a Dortmund perspective so far, and uh, and, and what will you be doing to uh, amuse yourselves? Um, until the football season comes back, whenever that is. Um, ben, um, what's been your highlight so far and how are you keeping sane without the sport? 
Well, without doing a plug for the next podcast, um, we uh, the next, <laughs> <laughs> the next podcast will be about Dortmund and Celtic, and then we've got Dortmund and Liverpool after that. So I think anyone listening to this tonight has got a lot to look forward to. Oh, for sure. Because uh, those relationships are very special, and and they're, they're you know uh, great British football clubs. But um, so yeah, doing the podcast um, tomorrow night. Uh, I'm watching the 1966. Um, European Cup winner's cup final, which Dortmund beat Liverpool in, both have a German team to win a European yeah. trophy. Yeah. Um, and my favourite game this season, um, that's, 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 um, I, I mean, I, I'd have to say the Atletico Madrid game. Was that this season or was it last season? God, I, I, I just watched so many. I, look, I'll just go with the PSG game, basically. It was either the 4 0 against Atletico Madrid or the PSG game, the 2 1. Uh, I think it was Julian Brandt's goal, which, which, which to me just lit, lit me up. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that, that was probably my favourite game of the season. And, and what a success and how different it would have been if the Dortmund fans had been in Paris. But then I am a bit biased. What can I say? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, Adam, um, your highlight of the season? I was lucky enough to be at the uh, game, the home game against uh, Leipzig, the three-all draw. And I was in the press box and I was tasked with writing an on-the-whistle match report for this absolutely bonkers game that was end-to-end, one of the best, most entertaining games I've ever had the pleasure of, of seeing, uh, dubious pleasure of writing about. Um, I, th- I think I did it justice in the end. Hopefully I did. Um, but it was just a wonderful, free-flowing, ha- nut, you know, pedal-to-the-floor, handbrake-off game, both sides committed to attack. And it was kind of like also the, the sort of subtext of the, the kind of light and dark of German football at the moment, if you like, the good and evil. Dortmund being good, obviously Leipzig being evil. And um, also two sides. It, it declared to me, so, well, maybe actually we do have an open title race in Germany. These two sides are brilliant. And maybe, you know, they, they can topple Bayern. Um, to answer your other question, how I'm filling the time, just yeah. I mean, plenty of work to do. There, there always is. We're, we're trying our best to keep busy. There'll be lots of nostalgia pieces to come. Um, I, I've been relying on uh, sort of things that the BBC are putting on old uh, England games, old World Cup games, things like that. Um, that that keeps me occupied. To be fair, Ni- nice hefty slice of uh, nostalgia. Yeah, it is. We're all going to be. We're all going to like think well, what is it with this new football let's just watch old football forever right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all happened already <laughs> um uh, mark uh, yourself uh, how, your 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 highlight of the season and uh, and and sure. how you and and you how you're keeping occupied apart from okay. listening to the podcast of course of course yeah i i suppose carrying on the uh, the good v evil theme um yes. was for me um my first visit to uh, the Stamtish in London for the London Supporters Club to see Borussia beat the evil of the Qatari Sovereign Wealth Fund 2-1 in the Champions League. <laughs> and the biggest moment for me was watching Haaland smash an unstoppable shot into the top corner. And for me, it summed up what he's all about. Um, and it also summed up the differences in, in football there between one Sovereign Wealth Fund basically owning a club and another one that exactly to coin the phrase completely run in the right way i think it was a fantastic moment and the atmosphere inside the stamtish was sensational so um 
that's my highlight for the season. What I'm doing to keep busy now is, um, as there are no events really going on, that means I'm twiddling my thumbs a little. Um, but I do have a family to look after. And um, my daughter and I are actually volunteering in the local community village shop to ensure that um, all of the older folks are being kept fed and we're doing sort of deliveries and stuff like that. So hopefully we're making good use of the time there, um, which is nice. And um, yeah, a bit of the Dortmund um, community spirit, really. Fantastic. Absolutely. That's, yeah, what a, what, a, what a great sentiment. I mean, I have to agree on the uh, on the Haaland goal being the highlight. I mean, it was just the definition of a thunder bastard uh, hearing the, the, the net nearly explode. Jay and I uh, were hosting a radio show together um, whilst that was on. It was on in the corner of my eye and I just managed to catch that goal in the peripheral of my vision. And it's it's not good being left speechless when you're live on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so, never uh, good. No, uh, Jay, Jay, how are you? Uh, how are you holding up? I mean, I, I, you're you're so connected to the world of sport. I, I I'm, I I'm worried about you. Uh, you're how worried you about me. Oh, it's, yes. it's, it's nice of you, Tom. Do you know? Mm. Do you know what? It's it's not bad having a break. It kind of feels a bit like the summer. You know, just you know, the summer break a little bit. But obviously, it's it's still a bit weird, uh, not having any sport whatsoever to go to. And you know, I can normally bounce from one sport to another because my 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 fandom kind of extends quite a, quite a bit, even across the pond. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm keeping busy with the website and obviously planning for the podcast and also the you know we're we're doing a, a podcast for our uh, community radio show which is uh, which is good fun um the daily job keeps me uh, occupied but uh, to be honest going back to the other point about you know the best moments of the season for me yeah. has to be going to see the Freiburg and my first experience of Dortmund my first experience of seeing the yellow wall I was absolutely fascinated by being in the ground seeing the yellow wall fill up as it as it happens um even before the the players came out to warm up which absolutely fascinated me no end you know that's just completely different to what we see here um in terms of games um Sadly, well, I, I don't know whether it's you know kind of a, a sickening feeling or a, or a sad feeling, but the the game against Bayer Leverkusen was absolutely mental. Um, you know, the away game was just incredible to watch. Um, not for a Dortmund fan, obviously losing four three, but that was just said everything about the Bundesliga and German football, I think, in, in terms of, you know, the atmosphere and, and the game itself. Um, elsewhere, the, the Dortmund win over Frankfurt, four goals to nil. I, I sat there and, and enjoyed that immensely. Um, but going back to that Haaland goal against PSG, I mean, that sound of the ball hitting the net and lifting the back of the net, there's nothing sweeter than that sound I've heard for a long time. And I've watched it a few times since since what seems to be the end of football, the end of sport. Um, but just praying for it to come back because it's it's going to be it seems like a long time, long time ago. Well, yes, let's let, let's end on a hopeful note. Um, well, this has been the first episode of the Borussia Dortmund Fan Club London podcast. Thank you so much to our guests, Adam Shergold and Mark Shepherd. Um, Adam, um, how, how can people reach you, uh, your social media and anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Adam J. Shergold. And uh, you can read my stuff on the on Bundesliga and everything else on Mail Online pretty much every day. Uh, great, I'm, yeah. I'm relatively old-fashioned, but if anybody wants to drop me an email, you can do so at <laughs> um, mark at sportslineuk.com and happy to have a chat with anyone, really. Excellent. Yeah, have you got like a, a fax line as well? I mean, that's, that's really old. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't want to plug too much. <laughs> no, yeah, you do need to keep some privacy. Um, exactly. Jay, um, have you anything you'd like to plug? 
just um we're on twitter the uh community radio show the meridian ss is where we are on twitter for that and we'll be plugging the podcast on there also a uh, personal plug for my palace website uh we're on twitter at uh the eagles beak yes absolutely and um yeah you can you can follow me at tom underscore gilchrist on twitter as well but do check out at the meridian ss we'll, we'll share all the links in, in in the bio as well uh, so do do check out all our content that we that we've got put out uh, thank you so much to adam and mark for joining us and i'll pass you over to the Borussia dortmund fan club london president uh, uh, ben McBadian to uh, to wrap up and uh, and give you all the information you need to know thank you so much uh, so uh, you can find us on uh, facebook at uh, Borussia dortmund fan club london and uh, we also have the Stammtisch Bar in uh, in London at the uh, Naughty Bar at 72 Cleveland Street in Marleybone when the season kicks off again, as Mark alluded to earlier. Thank you to uh, Adam uh, from the Daily Mail. It's been an absolute honour. Uh, the Daily Mail have written so many great articles about Borussia Dortmund, and it's really uh, classed of you to come on and talk about uh, BVB. And it's good to hear that you, you know, have developed a real enthusiasm for the club as well as um, enjoying writing about them. Um, thank you so much, Mark. Um, there's so much more we could talk about you with your background as an Arsenal FC um, press officer. Um, which has come, hasn't really been able to get, get uh, talked about tonight. But um, as you said, you know, people can get in touch with you, especially Arsenal fans and so on. And um, thank you, Jay. It's really good to hear you'll be on the next show uh, or even hosting the next show um, because I feel that uh, Crystal Palace, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of interesting stories about the ultras and so on and also about uh, one particular former player that uh, Dortmund were interested in. But we can talk about that next week. And thanks so much, um, uh, Tom, for uh, giving us some insights into Crawley Town and uh, and hopefully you'll be uh, pulling one out of the bag and getting uh, an interview with Denzel Boadu before the series. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, here's hoping. Hey, yeah, I always love a plug for Crawley Town on the... Uh, yeah, very much the Dortmund of, of English football, yes. Um, well, uh, <laughs> let's end on that note, shall we? Well, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe, uh, follow our Twitter accounts, and keep informed with, with new podcasts. Thank you for listening. Oh, oh.